The following message was preached at Flint Hill Baptist Church. We would love for you to join us on Sundays for life groups and worship, or on Wednesdays for adult Bible study, kids, and youth activities. For more information, visit flinthill.net. Worship team, thank you for leading us in worship. Is it, is it Gavin? Is that right? Yeah, Gavin, thank you. Man, that's a great time of worship. Let's give the Lord a hand in what he's doing through them. Amen? Thank you. And I love that song, Holiness. In fact, this is free of charge. doesn't cost anything. This is, uh, brother, uh, brother, but uh, what's standing in the way of revival coming to America is an unwillingness of the church to be broken before a holy God. And so if you want to know the secret, that's the secret. When we, God's people, are willing to be broken open before the living and holy God, then, then revival will come. But as long as we're too cool to be broken before God, then revival is not going to come. Uh, what a joy to be here with you today, brother. And uh, I've known Brother J.J. from afar, kind of, from through his family. And it's been a blessing just to know his family and to know him in that way and watch you. But I know that all of you know that you are really blessed to have him as your pastor. Why don't you just thank Jesus for bringing J.J. to here. And his precious family, not just J.J., but yeah, what a joy to be here. You've got to be in shape to pastor this church or be on the worship team. I mean, get, get up those steps. I mean, you've got to be in shape, brother, man. Exercise or do something. Uh, and, uh, but I, I'm, I'm grateful to be here and... Uh, to be with you today, and I want to apologize in advance for my voice. Um, probably like many of you, I've been struggling with crud for, for months. We came back from a mission trip to Guatemala, and I had the traveler's uh, diarrhea, not to get too uh, gross there, but and also, but I had a little walking pneumonia, and I think I've gargled the last week a whole pound of that salt, you know, gargled it trying to save that voice. We had a staff retreat this weekend, but but I think we're going to get through it, and thank you for praying for us. We're so excited about being here. It's, it's good to renew some relationships. There's some Canaanites in your midst, in case you didn't know it. And it's just so good to get to see a lot of our folks that we had the joy of pastoring and, and just uh, ministering to. For we were, we were over there at Canaan for 13 years. It's, I went there when I was 29. I'm teasing. I was, but uh, we, we, uh, we had a, an amazing ministry. I love this uh, picture you had up here. I don't know where you got it from, but it's a, a few years ago of me. But uh, uh, thank you for allowing us to be here and, and for inviting us to come. Um, where in the world is Ranburn? Some of you might be thinking, Ranburn, Alabama. Well, you can't get there from here. Unless you're going to Atlanta, you'll see two exits. I don't know why, but there's two exits to Ranburn, Alabama. It's right. If you don't know where it's at, it's right in between uh, Trickham and Muscadine. Now you know where it's at now. That's that's where Ranburn is. God is pouring out His Spirit in a profound way, and we're out in the country. We're just seeing God move and God uh, bring souls to faith in Christ, start new young adult groups, and God is just so good. Now, let you kind of decide how long this service will be. Does J.J. do that? Let you decide how long the sermon will be? So if you understand what I'm talking about and you say, Amen, I get to go to the next point. If you really get it, you say, Praise the Lord. And I, I might skip a point, you know. But So it's up to you how long the service is going to be. Okay. They're catching on. They're just slowly but surely. I'm going to be in Acts chapter 8. You see it on the screen if you want to turn in God's Word. We'll be there in a minute. Acts chapter 8. If you'd like to take notes, I think there's going to be a PowerPoint. You can do that. 
You know, unless you have a photographic memory, it kind of helps you today and it'll help you tomorrow if you take notes. I just want to encourage you with that discipline. And uh, I, we're talking about sharing our faith, witnessing. I'm, I'm reminded of a, of a seminary student who had to preach to get out of seminary, and he was getting ready to preach. He had to go to chapel and preach to graduate. He was nervous. He, he got out of the chair and came up there. He was just shaking. He just, just, you could just tell he was nervous. Do, do, do you know what I'm going to say is what he said. And everybody out there said, well, no. He said, neither do I. And he sat back down. <laughs> that wasn't good. I mean, if he's going to get out of seminary and all. And so, man, they encouraged him. And his students encouraged him. So he got up there the next day in, in chapel to, to preach. Do, do, do you know what I'm going to say? And well, half of them were there, the, you know. I mean, all of them were there the next other day, and they wanted to encourage him. So, and so they just all said, yes, yes, we know what you're going to say. Tried to encourage the guy, you know. And he said, well, well there's no need for me to tell you then. And he sat back down. <laughs> well, they had to talk the, the preaching professor out of early retirement. The dean had to talk him out of retirement. And so they, but they coached him up and got up, prayed with him. And a couple weeks later, he got up there, and a little more spring in his step. But he was still nervous. Do, do, do you know what I'm going to say? Well, half of them remembered. They shook their heads. Yes, they wanted to encourage him. The other half hadn't, hadn't heard him. They said no. He said, well, well, those of you that know, tell those of you that don't know. And he sat back down. That's what it means to be a witness. Those that know, telling those that don't know. I could leave right now. That's, that's what a witness is. How many of you know Jesus. But you, if you know Jesus, then your job is to tell those that don't know Jesus. <clears throat> That's what being a witness is. I, how many of you love hummingbirds? Anybody have a hummingbird feeder out in out your yard? You know, them, them, them boogers keep you, keep you busy, don't they? Trying to keep that thing full. And they, they migrate all the way. I was in Alaska on a mission trip. They go all the way up there. And, uh, and you know they're Baptists, don't you? You know how you know a hummingbird's Baptist? You ever watch them fight? I mean, they just fight all the time trying to keep each other off those feeders. I was coming home one day, and we had just been to a ball game with our boys, and it was night when I was at Santuck, and we drove in the carport, and it was dark, and we'd left the kitchen light on, <clears throat> and I noticed in the, in the window there was a big old spider web, and in the spider web was a hummingbird. It was all tangled up, just a shaking, trying to get out. And it, it occurred to me the only way that hummingbird was going to live is if I would... I would be willing to go and to, and, and to get it. It wouldn't want me to, but to get it and get all that web off of it and, and turn it loose. And I did. I've never held a hummingbird, a live one. And I got all that off of that hummingbird and turned it loose and it went. And it occurred to me like it does to preachers, man, what, that, that's the gospel. Everyone in this room, you've been drawn away by the allurement, the light of the enemy, the adversary. And sin has entangled you in a web just like that little hummingbird. And then somebody came into your life and, and they told you about Jesus. And, and, and you got untangled from all of that sin and that, that web. Now, that doesn't mean you don't sin anymore, but, but man alive, the, the web was off of you. And, and, and you were set free in Christ Jesus. Could somebody say amen? amen. Somebody did that for you. And we're going to learn today that... That you're the somebody that needs to do it for somebody else now. All around you are people that are tangled up in the web of sin. Can, I, can somebody just say amen? Nod your head at me. Let me know you're out there. I hear you breathing, but let me know you're out there. All around you are people that are tangled up in sin and they need a Savior. And God has saved you and He has commissioned that you go and tell them about Jesus. The book of Acts is an interesting book. It's, it is really the gospel of the church. 
Acts is to the church what the four Gospels are to Jesus. And so it's the Gospel of the church. If you get to Acts chapter 28, there, there seems to be no ending to it. It seems like it just goes on. Well, that's because we haven't wrote the last chapter in the book of Acts until Jesus comes again for the church. You're still writing a chapter. Being a witness to those that are around you. In Acts 1, the church is empowered. In Acts chapter 2, the church begins to grow. It's a, it, it is enlarging. And then in Acts chapter 6, it goes through, through some persecution. It's enduring. And then finally, the church in Acts chapter 8 begins to expand to the known world, the Roman Empire. where God, The gospel came. And God has given us that responsibility today. Acts chapter 1, all the gospels have a, a version of the Great Commission. Acts 1.8 says, and, and when he has come, the Holy Spirit, you shall receive power, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so all of us have been given this, this responsibility to be a witness. The Spirit of God is in you if you're saved, and the reason he's in you is to be a witness to your neighbors and the nations. Philip was an ordinary guy, Acts chapter 8, that we're introduced to. And he's going to be our prototype for what it means to be a witness. Uh, he's just a normal guy. Now you say, well, he's a deacon. Yeah, he was. But he's just a normal guy. In Acts chapter 6, he was set aside to be a deacon. But a normal guy trying to serve the Lord. And, 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 and look at your neighbor and say, you're pretty normal. Go ahead and do that right now. You're pretty normal. Now some of you just lied because you know your neighbor's not normal. They're not normal. All right, and they're really all back in. He's a normal guy who had a divine appointment. God said, I want you to go and I want you to witness to this, this Ethiopian unique, the treasure from Ethiopia. And, and, he's, and he, he went. I, listen to me. If, you, if you're saved and if you're alive, God is giving you divine appointments. There's, God's at work around you and he wants you to join him. And today we're going to learn how to join him and how to share our faith with those around us. How many of you are glad somebody shared their faith with you? Anybody? Well, God's called us to do the same. Now, I don't know what you do here, but if it's okay, could we stand in honor of the author of this book? Uh, this book, if you stand out at four, for, not for me, not for Brother JJ or this church, but, but for the author. God himself spoke this word, and we have this record that God's given to us in Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he said, I need to call my buddies and my friends, and I need to ask them to pray. I need to have a Baptist committee to come together and talk about this. Know what does the Bible say? Come on, church. Y'all are just kind of really uptight. <laughs> no, he, he just rose and went. <laughs> and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of her, all of her treasury, had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning and sitting in his chariot and he was reading Isaiah the prophet. He didn't get that from Lifeway, by the way. It was, he just had a scroll. Then the Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake the chariot. And so Philip ran to him, put on his best Nike sandals and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said... This will preach, <laughs> J.J. How can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. Father, would you add your blessing 
to the preaching, the reading, the study of your word. And Father, I pray in the strong name of Jesus that you'd help all of us in this room understand what it means to be a willing witness. You gave us Philip as the prototype. We don't have to be some extraordinary person. No, we serve an extraordinary God. And you've called everyone to be a willing witness. That's our prayer of faith. In Jesus' name, the church said, thank you. You may be seated. Thank you for staying in honor of the author of this book, the Bible. Well, let's look at three quick things this morning. The first thing is willing witnesses go with the gospel. The first thought is that willing witnesses go with the gospel. Here's the key thought. Christ enlists all of us to share. Now, the church is in trouble in America, if you hadn't figured that out. This is a great day, a God's house full. But in, in general, the church is in full. We, we went past our, I think, the high water mark in Christianity in America around 2000. We've been in a precipitous decline for over two decades. It is well documented. We, 4,500 churches close their doors every year in America. Only 3,000 churches are launched. 85 to 90% of the churches in America are plateaued or declining. That's a nice word to say that 90% of the churches in America are dying. COVID has not helped that. Southern Baptist Convention is not exempt from that. We have, we've seen a precipitous decline in all of our, our baptisms. We're in trouble. Unless God sends a revival, we are in trouble. And I already told you the key to revival, when the church is willing to be broken, God will send revival. <laughs> and so we need to be willing to share our faith. We have the most resources we've ever had <clears throat> to share the gospel, and yet we do less. Everybody here has got a computer in their pocket or their purse. We have more resources than we've ever had, but it seems like we're doing less. Can I, can I let you in on another word? The reason we're not seeing revival and we're not changing our culture is because the church, Christians, are distracted. Write that down in the margin of your Bible. We're distracted. Uh, we're doing a lot of things. I mean, we're busy, but we're not doing the main thing. The main thing that Jesus said when he left the planet, go and make disciples. That's what he said we're to be about. Everything else is peripheral. We're to be a disciple and to make disciples and we're distracted. We're doing all kinds of things. And it's not evil things. But it's not the main thing. It's not what Jesus said that we're to do. He was clear in all four Gospels. And in the book of Acts, he gave us the Great Commission. Go and make disciples. And in the early church, there was a whole lot of going. And, and, and the church was going in a lot of different ways and a lot of different places. What were they doing? They were making disciples. And who was involved in it? Everyone. The first thing that Philip teaches us is that we need to be willing to go. Look at your text. The first thing we see is that he was observant. <clears throat> he was observant. Back in our text, verse 26, the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. And the, the deal is here, Philip heard him speak. And some of you are saying, well, preacher, now, if the angel of the Lord spoke to me, I'd be listening. How many of you just thought that? Go ahead and just be honest. Come on, come on, be honest. But you have the third person of the Trinity, the Spirit of the living God who is in you and speaking to you. The angel of the Lord spoke and he, and he heard him. Now the deal is this, just as you need to see this picture. Philip, ordinary guy serving an extraordinary God, but he was walking with God. It's not in the text, but we have to assume that this man, Philip, was walk, he found Jesus and he was following Jesus. I don't have time to unpack it. Write Matthew 6, 6, one of the greatest verses on, on what it means to be a person of prayer, have a prayer clause that I believe that Philip was with God every day. And so he heard God and he 
responded to God, he needed to be observant. Philip was in a spiritual position to hear God speak. So the question is, are you in that spiritual position? Or, you know what the, the greatest addiction of our day is. It's social media and all those things. We are so busy listening to every other voice but his voice. And so you need to be in a posture to hear like Philip. You need to be observant, not distracted. Number two, he, he, he was obedient. So he arose and went. Back in our text, verse 26, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, and, and saying, Arise and go towards the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So the Bible says, So he arose and went. Man, if you ask a Baptist to do something, what are they going to say? Come on, to be real spiritual. You ask them to do something, what are they going to say, J.J.? I need to pray about it. That, that's just a kind way to say no. <laughs> but, but he, so he rose and went. Philip heard the voice of God and he heeded the voice of God without hesitation. Can I just suggest to you, one of the reasons that we're missing the blessings of God is because we're not, not only we're not hearing him, but we're not heeding his voice. When God asks you to do something, you don't have to pray about it. Y'all, that preacher's kind of mean. No, that's just the truth. If God Why would we have to pray about something when God speaks to us? When he impresses us to do something to share faith. Now, aren't you glad that, that, that Philip wasn't, wasn't Moses? Man alive, it took God a long time to wring Moses' hand to get him to do something. Moses had every excuse under the sun. We know that Moses was a Baptist because he had all those excuses. God gets somebody else. I stutter. I, I, I don't like to get in front of people. All the excuses that we always come up with, Moses had. And finally, out of that burning bush experience, he responded in faith to God. The Great Commission says to go. and We're to go uh, to share this, the gospel with our neighbors. Listen to me. It's not, it's not really hard. Where, wherever your neighbors live, work, and play, that's where you're to share your faith, where they live, work, and play. So you need, you need to be observant, you need to be obedient, but also you need to be optimistic. And that's the problem. We're not very optimistic about sharing our faith. Optimistic. It continues. Look at verse 27, the latter part of verse 27 in our text. And he arose and went, and, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of Ethiopians, had charge over all of her treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to do what? <laughs> to worship. Don't miss that in the text. So we can get all bogged down in who this man was. He was an important man, an Ethiopian eunuch. He, had, he was the treasurer of the Ethiopian country government. So an important person. But he, but he was there to worship. He wasn't in Jerusalem to go to the camel races and watch the camel races. He wasn't there for a political co uh, convention of, of treasurers. He was in, in, in Jerusalem. He wasn't there for a political summit. He was there to worship. So here's the key thought. I want you to hear this. Whoever God asks you to witness to, God is preparing their heart. We'll say that again because you didn't get it. It went right over your head. Whoever you, you feel the impression of the Holy Spirit, and you know when God's asking you to sh share your faith with somebody because your blood pressure starts to race. Can I get a witness? So if he's asked you to witness to them, he is preparing them as he did the eunuch, the treasure. The Bible says none are saved unless they are first drawn by the Holy Spirit. 
The Spirit of God, Acts chapter 1-8, He is ease and dwells you. He empowers you. He equips you with the words to say. And He is enlisting the lost person. He is drawing the lost person to Christ. And yet still, when God asks us to do something, we're no better than Jonah the prophet. We run from God. Jonah, he's like a, he, he was another good Baptist. God asked him to do something. Go to Nineveh and preach. Or go to Nineveh and, and share your faith. He ran from God. Did you notice wherever he went to when he ran from God? When you run from God, you always go down. Read the text. He went down to Joppa, down in the boat, down in the bottom of the boat, down in the bottom of the ocean, down into a belly of a whale. He finally came to a sense as he was running from God. He began to run to God, and then he ran with God to Nineveh. But he, before all that happened, he had to get thrown up by a big fish on the shore. I don't know about you, but I'd rather not find myself in a bunch of vomit of a big fish. How about you? Just say yes. He preached the shortest message. Don't tell your people about that. That was really a short message. Repent and be, you know, or else. And they got saved. The, whole, the greatest revival in the Bible is Nineveh. I got to move on. Willing witnesses go, but also willing witnesses give the gospel. Christ empowers us to share the gospel. Christ empowers us to share the gospel. There was this single mother, and she was struggling, and she had two strong willed boys. And, and anybody got here got strong willed children? Everybody raised their hand. That's just kind of interesting. No, I'm teasing. So she did all she could. She brought the children to the preacher. I don't know why, but she brought them to the preacher. And preacher, I, I've done everything I can do. What, what do I need to do? And he, and he got out his best, you know, you don't remember James Dobson. There's new guys now, but James Dobson book. Here's what you need to do with strong-willed children. Go home and try it. Come back if it don't work. She was back in a week, and she left the boys in the pastor's study. said, I, I've done all I can do. Fix them. But he didn't know what to do, you know, and. So he got to thinking about it, J.J., a little bit. And he just, well, I'll just put a fear of God in these boys. And so he left the, the younger one out in the secretary's study. And the older one was in there with him. And he's just sitting on his hands. He's got a clenched jaw. And, Son, where's God? You know, he's trying to put the fear of God. Son's, the God's everywhere. You know, God knows when you're misbehaving. God, Son, where's God? Nothing. Son, where? Nothing. He went on a little while. And he just lost his cool. Preachers can lose their cool. Son, where's God? Well, a little boy was scared to death. He jumps up, grabs his little brother. Out of the church office they go, slam the door behind. Brother bouncing behind him. Down the road to the house. In the house, shut the door behind him. Upstairs in their room, shut the door behind him. They get in the closet, shut the door behind him. The older brother's just breathing so heavy. He looks at his younger brother. He says, man, they've lost God out of that church, and they think we got them. <laughs> That's how we act. We act like we've lost God. But we have God, and like Philip, we need to share faith. Now, it takes time to invest in others. You've got to build a bridge. Sometimes you share instantaneously. Sometimes you build a bridge for Jesus to walk across that bridge. And sometimes we feel inadequate, like Philip. Philip, he was a peasant, but here, here Philip is, a peasant, sharing with the treasure of Ethiopia. But let me just remind you of something. You represent the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Somebody say Amen. And the Bible is pretty clear, 1 Corinthians 9, 22. I'll become all things to all men that I buy by all means save some. And so God's called us to share faith. We've we got to go with the gospel. We have to give the gospel. God prepares the wayward. He was reading. God prepares the wayward back in our outline. He was reading Isaiah back verse 28. And he was returning and, and sitting in the chariot. And he was reading Isaiah the prophet. He was in Jerusalem to worship and he's reading Isaiah. 
Man alive, you couldn't read a better Old Testament book, could you, than Isaiah? Then the Spirit said to Philip, go near and, and overtake the chariot. So Philip, of course, did. Then verse 30, so Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. So again, the prophet had been in Jerusalem to worship. He was reading the word of God. Literally, probably, he had a scroll, a, a segment of Isaiah, and he was reading that. But the point here is that, that God was preparing the heart of the person God was calling Philip to share with. God was preparing his heart. He had been worshiping, and he had also been reading the word of God. So whoever God asks you to witness to, where you live, where you work, and where you play, God is preparing their heart. Verse 30, look at it. It continues. And he said, do you understand what you're reading? And he, he said, how can I unless someone guides me? You talk about an open door. Amen? Do you understand what you're... How can I unless somebody tells me? So there's the invitation was given to him to share. And I just need to say this. Listen to me. I, I've been sharing my faith for a long time. So you're a preacher. You're supposed to share your faith. I did it before I surrendered to preach. But, but if you'll share your faith, most people... Now, some won't. But most people... We'll listen. They, they want to hear. But you and I have got to, got to get over ourselves and understand we have this power to share our faith. And so the Holy Spirit's at work. The John 16, 8 says that the Spirit of God will come. When He comes, Jesus said, He'll convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. What does that mean, preacher? It means He'll convict the world, the Spirit of God, that they're sinners, that of righteousness, that they need a Savior, and if they reject the gospel, there will be a judgment. The Spirit of God does that. I'm telling you, when you understand the work of the Spirit, it'll set you free in sharing your faith. He does the work. Now, we've got to join Him. But I'm telling you, the power of God's Spirit to work is phenomenal. And God prepares the witness, and Philip opened his mouth. Verse 34. Just He, he sheared from Isaiah. The, what he was reading was Isaiah. Now, this is the story of the suffering servant. And we don't have time to unpack that today. But he just shared Jesus, the gospel, with him. And so... Uh, Philip opened his mouth and began to share. Then, then uh, verse 34, then the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does this prophet say this of himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth. That, that's the key. Philip opened his mouth and began to share his testimony. Now, why don't we share faith? Because we, we, we're uncertain. Because we have fear. But, but I, I'm telling you that God... Want you to share your faith and overcome that anxiety and that fear. And if you'll stay today, I'll share with you how to share your faith very comfortably. And by the way, how many of you have been saved again? Come on, real quick. Almost everybody in this room has been saved. And so, how many of you know John 3.16? All them that raised their hands, they volunteered to be flaming evangelists. That's all you got to know. What God in Christ has done for you in John 3, 16. You're ready. Give me a water pistol. Where is hell? I'm ready to charge it. That's really literally all you need. And the Spirit of God who is in you, who convicts them and empowers you, and He is at work in the witnessing experience. God prepares the words as well. John 35 and, 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 and Philip opened his mouth and began, beginning in the scripture, preached Jesus unto him. Some of you are saying, aha, he was a preacher. I'm not a preacher. 
All it literally means in the original text is he shared Jesus. <laughs> he shared Jesus. And if, you, if, if he saved you, you have a testimony. You know John 3, 16. You can tell somebody about Jesus. And Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus speaking, and you shall receive power. Who's the you? The church. When the Spirit of God's come upon you. So much I, I could say here, but, but Philip didn't have evangelism explosion, see, c- continuing witness training. Some of you don't even have any idea what all that is. He didn't have faith. Some of you might remember that, three circles. Shoot, he didn't even have the Roman road, but, but he opened up his mouth and shared what he knew about Jesus, and, and the eunuch was gloriously saved. All you got to be willing to do is, is willing to share your own testimony, what God's done for you in John 3, 16. Now, now what is the gospel? I, I need to remind us what the gospel is. It's, it's Jesus. Say it with me. I can't hear you. We're going to be here a long time. Jesus. Isn't there something beautiful about that? Jesus. The Bible says of him in John 1, 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word, Jesus, was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld the glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. I remind you that the gospel is Jesus. He is equal to God. He is eternal as God. He is God. But he emptied himself. He left the heavens, and he came to earth. He embraced humanity. He and one person was God and man. He knew no sin, and yet he went to the cross, and he embraced the cross for you and for me. He endured the horror of a Roman tree. The sins of all of humanity was laid upon him. But I'm telling you, he was laid in a borrowed tomb, and on the third day, he came out of that tomb, and he's at the right hand of the Father, and he's praying. He's praying that you and I will share our faith. That's the gospel. Preacher, why? I, I don't know, man. I, I, might, I, might hurt, I might mess something up if I share my faith. I might, I might hurt them. Any nurses in here? I'm trying to get done, Brother JJ, but any nurses in here? We're getting closer. Somebody said, I ain't going to raise my hand. He'll call me out. I <laughs> when do you do CPR? Not breathing. Yeah, literally, you do CPR when pretty much they're dead, right? So when you do CPR to someone who's dead or just about to die, can you hurt them? Am I going to get this thing right? I don't know, you know. No. I mean, if they could, they'd reach up to you and they'd grab you by the guff of the shirt and say, would you get over yourself and do something here? I'm about to die. Wouldn't they, nurses? If a lost person could reach up from the pits of hell, they would reach you by the gruff of the neck and say, would you please get over yourself and talk to me about Jesus? Tell me what he's done for you and share John 3.16 with me. You can't hurt me. You see, lost people are dead (laughs) like you were before the cross spiritually, and they need to be found. I need to move on. Willing witnesses guide others in the gospel. Real quickly, Christ equips us to guide the lost in their decision. My youngest son got in a hurry to get here. He was... Seven weeks premature. He's, he's fine now. He's 38 years old. I probably got that wrong, but he's Jonathan. And, uh, but he came early, and, and he was in the ICN intensive care nursery. But it was so good to get him home to his place we prepared for him, you know, to help him grow up. When, when lost people are saved, they're, they're your responsibility to help them grow up. Somebody save me, and I'll spend a long time here. They're our responsibility. It's only the beginning of discipleship. A person's not discipled until they're discipling others, until they're winning others to faith in Christ and discipling them. 
Three observations quickly about, about this, this man, this eunuch, that teaches us about what we need to do. We need to guide them in their personal decision. Guide them in their personal decision. Verse 36, it says, uh, And then Philip opened his mouth and began, uh, beginning at the Scripture, preached Jesus and him. Now as they came down and the road, they came to some water. And, and you said, See, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized and he says if you if that then philip said if you believe with all of your heart you may and what what did the eunuch say that he believed and so salvation is believing in jesus he heard about jesus through isaiah the prophet believing in jesus with all of his heart now we don't have any idea that there was some sinner's prayer that he prayed but 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 the bible says that philip shared christ with him and that he do you believe? He said, I believe with all my heart. That, that's really a sinner's prayer. I, I repent of my sins and I believe in Jesus with all of my heart. Jesus has no, I, has no desire to be added to your life. He wants to become your life. And if you're trying to add Christ to your life, you are not saved. You, you have to exchange your life for him. And so the, 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 the eunuch, the treasure, he did that. He, I believe with all of my heart. He, he, you need, we have to guide them in their personal decision. The lost person, you need to repent of your sins and place your faith in Jesus with all of your heart. That, that's really the sinner's prayer. Number two, guide them in their public profession. Verse 37, he says, I believe that Jesus is the Christ. Verse 37, back to our text. And then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, he said, and he answered and said, I, I believe that Jesus Christ is the, the Son of God. Now, now preacher, how... So, so this, this treasure believed with all of his heart, and he, he was saved. But how do you get a public profession of faith out of that? I, I'm glad you asked me. He was a treasurer. He was wealthy. And in that day, nobody went anywhere that was wealthy without a caravan. And he had a whole bunch of servants with him and a whole bunch of people in that caravan. And all of them saw this peasant coming from Jerusalem running with his Nike sandals on to go to their master's chariot. And the master invited him up and started talking to him. And they saw the master start weeping because he believed in Jesus with all of his heart. I'm telling you, when he said that, he made a public profession of faith to all those in the caravan. There is no secret saint in the kingdom of God. You can't be a secret saint at work or at school, young people. There's no such thing. So he made that public profession of faith. And I'm going to talk about this later. I hope you'll stay for Grace Talks. You'll learn how to share your faith comfortably. It'll be a good meal. And, and is it filet mignon and baked potatoes? Is that what it is? Something like that? Okay. And so good meal. And you'll learn how to have a good time, how to share your faith. But... Once they make a profession of faith, you, you, you got, listen to me, you, you can't just, well, you're saved, glory be to God, see you later. No. Man, I'll meet you out front of the church on Sunday morning. I'll sit with you in church. I'll walk with you to make your public profession of faith. Confess me before men. I, I'll be with you when it's time for you to comply with his command to be baptized. I'll connect you to my small group like Jesus and the Twelve. You've got to be in a small group. If you're not in a small group, you're being disobedient. That's another message. You'll do all of that leading them in the process because you're their spiritual parent. And then finally, guide them in their practical expression. Verses 38 and 39. Boy, this is... I, I'm, I'm, at the, I'm at the place you want me to be, the end, Okay. Some of you have been saying, when is he going to get there? I'm there. 
So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went. And get this. Come on, get this. We're good Baptists. He went down into the water, okay? And he baptized him, and then it says, and now they came up out uh, of the water. So we believe in baptism how? By immersion. It's all over this passage of Scripture. So we, why? Because we, as you've already said, Acts Romans chapter 6, we are, we, are, we are identified with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. So, so man alive. He, 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 Philip was with him in this public profession, also in his practical expression when he was, when he was baptized. And by the way, when, someone, when someone's baptized, you're preaching. A, that's your first sermon that you ever preach. What do you mean, preacher? Yeah. Whenever you're baptized and, and you're in that watery grave, and, and I like to talk about that. See, you, you are, you're, you're identifying with Christ in his death and his burial and his resurrection. So you're preaching the gospel. That's your first sermon whenever you're baptized in that public expression of faith. And so Philip has taught us that we need to be willing to, 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 a willing witness is somebody that goes with the gospel. A willing witness is somebody that gives the gospel. Tell somebody about what he's, Jesus has done for them and what he'll do for them, for you, them. And finally, you guide them in their public expression of their faith. You don't just, you don't just drop them. You guide them and help them become a disciple, follower of Christ. As a pastor, and, and I know you're, you're already thinking, yeah, you're an older preacher. Well, that, that's right, I am. <laughs> I've done a lot of funerals. And when I do a funeral, I have the privilege of being in that room with J.J., with that family, and the last time they see their loved one. And if you're a Christian, you know that that's just a tent. There's going to be a resurrected. It's going to be a lot better than that body one day. You say your goodbyes, and, and they leave, and I pray, and and I, I stay a lot of times with the, the funeral home team, and, and they all have something in their pocket. And I got one in my desk to remind me. It's a crank. They'll get the personal effects out of that casket. Then they'll close the casket. And they'll get that crank, and they'll crank the crank. And when they're cranking the crank, here's what I think. Preachers are this way. Whatever that person didn't give away stays with them in the casket. That's heavy. If they didn't tell their family they loved them and didn't dis did disciple their own kids, and if, if they didn't, what, you know, you think you're thinking about money and all that stuff, it's important, but it's not the most important thing. Let's stay with me. Uh, stay with me. And if they, if they didn't give to those that they care about and love, if they didn't give them the gospel, think about it. It stays with them in the casket. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Brother J.J. is going to come in just a minute. Musicians are coming. I wonder who would say to this old preacher from Ranburn, Alabama, but more importantly, you'd say to Jesus, I, I don't want to go to my grave and having not given away the most important thing in my life, what Jesus has done for me, the gospel. And today I'm going to make a commitment to be like Philip, to be found faithful. Where I live, where I work, and where I play, to give away the gospel, my testimony to those around me. Who, who just say, I, I want to make a commitment or recommitment to be found faithful, giving away the gospel. Would you lift up your hand? I want to pray with you today. I, I don't want to leave something in the casket. I want to give the gospel. Anybody else? If I, I 
few of you have said you want to be faithful to be a witness. Anybody else would be so bold to tell Jesus, I want to be a faithful witness. Maybe recommit your life to that. I want to be a faithful witness. Anybody else, I want to pray for you. I want to be a witness. Father God, thank you for those that have said yes. I want to follow Philip's example the best way I know how. And I want to be a, a witness. I want to give away the most important thing that you've given me, Jesus, to those around me. I want to give them the gospel of Christ. Father God, thank you now. We just pray that you take over in this service today. There's probably some here that don't have a witness. They've never given their heart to Jesus. They've tried to add him to their life, but, but not exchange their life for his. They haven't believed with all their heart like the treasure did. I, I pray this morning that they'd be saved, that, that they would give their heart to Jesus this morning. There could be a few that have been saved, but they've never followed in obedience. They've never undergone believer's baptism like the, 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 the treasure. He said, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized that I believe? And he believed with all of his heart. Baptism comes after salvation, so he was baptized. I pray you stir hearts for folks to come today and make that public profession of faith and baptism. Father, finally, there's probably some here that you brought here by the Spirit under the great preaching of this pastor and, and the love of these people. They know this is home, and it's time to join this church to be a soul winner. So, Father God, this is your invitation. Would you begin to stir this morning? Father, help us to be bold. Help us not to hold back. Help us to be obedient and be a willing witness. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, would you stand to your feet? Your pastor's coming. Turn the invitation over to him. Don't, don't leave without doing what God's asked you to do, to be a, a willing witness. It might be to come to know him as your Savior, follow in obedience and baptism, be a member of this bride, this church. You come.